On this episode of the podcast, Josh tells us the story of a man who saw three franchises fall before the age of 24. Wow. Oh, no. Well, this could be anyone. I've seen <laughs> and I've seen NBA franchises fall left and right. Yeah. They easy come, easy go, man. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a hard thing to accomplish. <laughs> you just need longevity and to play in the 70s. Just, you just need to live till you're 24. <laughs> Well, recline that sofa and loosen that tie, because this is Mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals, while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sweezy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are discussing NBA. Warning to any and all Buffalo Braves fans. You may want to cover your ears or just keep rooting for those Sabres. Oof. Wait. Wait. But go Bills. Uh, Go Bills. Mm -hmm. You poor, poor (laughs) Sabres. Poor. Hey, they won today. First time in March. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yup. And it is March 31st. (laughs) All right, so we are talking about the Buffalo Braves, and the year is 1976. Okay. We're revisiting that old friend from episode one, the NBA-ABA merger. Hey, we love this nonsense. You guys remember, right? The ABA. The ABA. The Superior League. (laughs) It was a pure game, for sure. Fundamentals. All right, so we start our drama with the Portland Trailblazers, who had two picks in the ABA dispersal draft. With their first pick, they got a player who had a very good career. He was a four-time NBA All-Star and a one-time ABA All-Star. An NBA All-Defense first team in 1977 and second team in 1978. His number 20 is retired in Portland. He is Mr. Maurice Lucas. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. I always take a late-round flyer in fantasy drafts on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with their second pick, they snagged a Hall of Famer. They traded him away after two games. Nice. Uh, this is the story of Moses Malone. Moses Malone! Big Mo. Uh, the big momentum. All right. So in order to fully <laughs> understand Moses Malone and to fully ignore whatever Austin's saying, we have to travel back to before the merger. In 1974, in the ABA draft, the Utah Stars selected 19-year-old Moses Malone in the third round. That's a good, that's a good pickup. Mm-hmm. Third round. That's it. Yeah, right. Third round. Thank you. Thank <laughs> like, you. Wait. wait what? Yeah. <laughs> that was. That doesn't exist. The ABA was a lawless wasteland. Well, I guess if you have fewer teams, but the same <laughs> amount of players wanting to play, mm-hmm. then I guess maybe. Uh, Malone had bypassed college altogether and was basically the first high schooler in modern basketball to go straight to the pros. Ooh. Beat your heart out, LeBron. (laughs) Yeah, he did it like 20 years later. Can you imagine LeBron in the ABA (laughs) just beating people? (laughs) He would have destroyed. Back in high school, uh, Moses Malone's high school team went undefeated his final two years, winning 50 games and back-to-back Virginia State Championships. Oh, All right. Virginia boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was born in, like, Petersburg, Virginia. 
No idea. No idea. I'll take your Not word important. Um, Malone made an immediate impact and made the ABA All-Star team in his rookie season. All right. All right. So, coming into the league, already contributing, his future is looking bright. And what could possibly go wrong? Getting well, the ABA should stop existing. Well, 16 games into the 1975-1976 season, the Utah Stars collapsed. Mm. Um, oh. Mid-season. Financially. <laughs> a little like, bit like a star, they imploded. And were reborn as the Utah Black Hole. Yes. That's they, actually not a bad name. That would actually be pretty cool. I can just imagine the uniforms. They'd be slick. It's just straight black. <laughs> oh, the 2K, the 2K <laughs> court would be amazing. Ooh, it'd be impossible <laughs> to play stars. on. <laughs> it's, it's just, just a black again, court. A black <laughs> court. No line. No, no. stars. The stars are in the outlines of the lines. Uh, yeah, no, the Utah, Utah Stars ceased to exist in, after 16 games into the season. Ah, so Malone oh, Malone was sold to our old friends, the Spirits of St. Louis, yeah. in order to pay off some of the Stars' debt. Uh, I don't have to tell you what comes next. Malone finished the season with the Spirits, and then the merger hit. <laughs> so <laughs> the Spirits of St. Louis uh, were not one of the franchises chosen to join the NBA. So Malone was moving on to his third team in his third year at the age of 21. Mm. Seasoned vet by this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's seen it all. He's grizzled. <laughs> From Utah to St. Louis, all the major markets. Where yeah. else could he go? Yeah. I told you in the first paragraph, he's going to Portland. Oh, that's right. Ah. So like I said before, <laughs> the Portland Trail Trailblazers took Maurice Lucas with the second overall pick in the dispersal draft and Moses Malone with the fifth overall pick. Who Port- let them have two top five picks? Well, it was a dispersal draft and like the Trailblazers were one of the like expansion teams that had only been in the league for so they got a few years. Extra consideration. Yes. Okay. I don't I don't know. It was rigged, probably. I mean, this is the NBA, so <laughs> almost guaranteed. Uh, so Portland was very excited with the acquisition of Lucas, who instantly became their starting power forward. Uh, the center position, which is what Moses Malone played, uh, was currently occupied by Hall of Famer Bill Walton. So um. <laughs> Portland got very good very quickly. Wow. Um, but also I can see why they're like, mm, maybe we don't need this. <laughs> yeah, we, then why draft him? <laughs> he was there. He was there, and they were like, he's nice. <laughs> he's very nice. And he's young. Uh, so we Port- won't keep him. No, no. So Portland management didn't feel like they needed young Moses. And to their credit, they were correct. Portland would win their one and only NBA championship in the 1976 and 1977 season. Bravo. Uh, over the Philadelphia 76ers with Bill Walton winning finals MVP. But that's not the story we're telling. The Trailblazers moved Malone way too early. (laughs) During the preseason, the Trailblazers found a trade partner in the Buffalo Braves. Mm. And once again, Moses was packing his bags. In return for the Hall of Famer, uh, Portland received $350,000 and a 1978 first-round pick, which they ended up you know, packaging in some other trade and never actually got a player from. As you do. So about $350,000 for a, a Hall of Famer. Well, but they didn't then. know. They didn't know. <laughs> back then, that was a huge amount of money. Well, back then, he was just some kid who wasn't Bill Walton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Could you be more Bill Walton? <laughs> no? Okay. 
So now tell me if you've heard this before. The Buffalo Braves had a surplus of front court talent, including Hall of Fame center Bob McAdoo. Oh my gosh. So, Why do these teams keep grabbing? Why are they even alone? Yeah, the other teams to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll trade for We'll him. take him. Now, what All do we do with him? Now he can't play center because Bob McAdoo is too good. So Bob McAdoo was also like six foot nine and playing center in the seventies. He was so good though. He could shoot the three, which was very impressive for a center in 1976. Uh, So yeah, let me tell you a bit about Bob McAdoo. He was drafted second overall by the Buffalo Braves in 1973. He immediately produced and won rookie of the year. All right. In his second season, he won his first of three consecutive NBA scoring titles. What? Oh. Yes. In, his, in his second season. As a center. Yes. McAdoo then went on to win MVP in 1975. So the season before this, he's the reigning MVP. Uh, and he would later become a two-time NBA champion and a five-time All-Star. So all around, great center. Yeah. He's pretty good. I would say. Mm-hmm. He's okay. And this is who Moses was stuck behind. He went from one Hall of Fame center to to another. another. (laughs) So he wasn't too happy with his position in Buffalo. He argued with management over money and playing time. Uh, When the Braves couldn't meet Malone's playing time demands, they traded him just two games into the season. So he went from Utah to St. Louis to Portland to To Buffalo to Jazz Hands. Houston. Houston. So Moses was packing up once again, and this time he was headed to Houston. The Houston Rockets absolutely swindled the Buffalo Braves. Yes. Buffalo gave up Moses Malone for a 1977 first-round pick and a 1978 first-round pick. Buffalo then turned around and packaged those draft picks for George Johnson and Nate Tiny Archibald. Mm, Nice. Uh, I know... Tiny Archibald. Yeah. No idea who George Johnson is. Yeah. So George Johnson played 39 games for Buffalo before being traded to the Nets. Mm, And Nate Archibald tore his Achilles and never played a game for Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So George Johnson was a decent player. He was a role player for the Golden State Warriors in the 70s and won a championship with them in like 74 or something like that. 75, maybe. Anywho, not important. He's just a pretty average player. He was good depth. Nate Archibald was really good. I don't know if he's if he's in the Hall of Fame off the top of my head, um, but he was a pretty good pick. But they got him like halfway into his career, and then he tore his Achilles, and they were like, "Oh, he, we're done with him." And it was Throw never him away. the same again. Well, that that's the thing. He did come back because they traded him to Boston, where he would go on to win the 1981 NBA championship. Alongside a young Larry Bird. Oh, no. Nate Archibald is, in fact, in the Hall of Fame. Yes, there we go. So, yeah. So, they traded Moses Malone for some guy that played 39 games and a Hall of Famer who was injured, and they immediately dealt. As nice. <laughs> one, as a listener might expect, the fact that the Buffalo Braves aren't ringing any bells. It's because it's they did a bad job. They did it last. They did a bad job. One fun thing about George Johnson, though, is that he shot his free throws underhand like Rick Barry. Yeah, oh, I love that nonsense. So good. Isn't like Rick Barry's grandson in college hoops right now and Doing shoots that? the same way? I believe Does so. he really? But he has like an absurd free throw percentage. Oh, oh yeah, no, he's, he buries he's, him. 
it's it's the way to do it if you have no like dignity I'm if you don't care or the ability to follow beef I mean, even then, the it's... way to get rid of the dignity and get that shot in is old man Rick Barry sitting in a rocking chair, <laughs> just beating his grandson and being like, "You will shoot it this way." Just this is the way the Lord intended it. <laughs> if the Lord wanted you to shoot that rocky <laughs> style, then he would have come down and been hitting you with his own stick. Then this <laughs> wouldn't be so effective. But you're stuck with me. <laughs> Uh, so Moses Malone was on his fourth team in three years, and wouldn't you know it, when they actually let him play basketball, he was pretty dang good. Uh, his first season started slow due to injury, and he averaged a modest 13.5 points per game. But after that season, he absolutely exploded. He would end up winning MVP twice while he was in Houston, the first coming in 1979, that year, he averaged 24.8 points per game and an absurd 17.9 rebounds per game, Whoa. which led to his nickname, the Chairman of the Boards. That's which is awesome. It's a very good. It's name. always good to get into like the leagues early on, so you get all the cool nicknames. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. lock those down. Nicknames yeah. are garbage now. Yeah, and it's like every player like needs a nickname. Like they don't. The last good one was Swaggy P. Oh, Swaggy so, P. It's my hot take. Uh, so Malone absolutely balled out in Houston, but he never won a championship. His first MVP year, the Rockets lost in the first round to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, this was through no fault of Malone's, as he averaged 24.5 points, 20 rebounds, and 4 blocks through the two contests. As Whoa. an average! Because that was back when they did like the 3-3-7-7 three, three, seven, oh, seven yeah, setups. I kind of like it. It makes it more exciting. Yeah, but, and I understand they expanded it not really for, like, I mean, they expanded it for to make more money. Yes. Yeah. So it'd be like, well, let's hope the best team doesn't get upset. Yes. But I, I love a good upset. I mean, I do, too. And that's why I like college basketball, I think. Ah, one and done. Let's See, go Bruins. the whole NBA postseason to one and done. <laughs> chaos. Absolutely but chaos. everyone makes the postseason. Okay. And it's seeded. One through thirty, and they cut back the regular season games from eighty-two to like forty-one because like yeah. everyone makes it. So what does it matter? So you're really just warming up. Why even play regular you're season? Just trying to go for seeding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the next year, the Rockets would lose to the Boston Celtics in the conference semis. Hmm. Malone averaged twenty-five point nine points, thirteen point nine rebounds, and two point three blocks in the playoffs that year. Uh, 1980 to 1981 saw a surprising run for the Rockets as they sprinted all the way to the finals, past the Lakers, Spurs, and Kings. But Malone's 26.8 points, 14.5 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks per game were not enough to top the almighty Celtics. Mm. So this disappointment led to Malone's second MVP season with the Rockets, where he averaged 31.1 points, led the league in rebounds again with 14.7 per game and 1.9 blocks while shooting 52% from the field. He killed it. He was like, all right, so clearly being amazing wasn't enough. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to be carry it. ascend a little bit higher. <laughs> he took a rocket and put it on his, his back, back. <laughs> and then put his team on that rocket. <laughs> Blew straight to the moon. Uh, yeah. But once again, the Rockets went out early in the playoffs, losing to the Seattle Supersonics in the uh, first woo, round. Bring back the Supersonics. We want it. Uh, so with the repeated failure in the postseasons, 
rocket management decided it was time to rebuild, even though they had just been to the finals the year before and they had the reigning MVP. Burn it down! Burn it all down. So rather than paying Moses Malone, they decided to trade him to the Philadelphia 76ers for center Caldwell Jones and a 1983 first-round pick. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. This is 5th team, 6th team, 10th team. It's getting up there, and the bad trades just keep racking up. I know. All these deals, the deals are getting progressively worse. (laughs) They just traded the reigning MVP for Caldwell Jones and one first-round pick. Before he even proved that he was going to be absolutely amazing, he was getting raking in like two firsts. He just averaged (laughs) 31.1 points a game, and they were like, nah. The Rockets just imagine up the nest. Imagine if Moses Malone was playing now. What would you have to trade for him? Like seven first round picks. And no, your firstborn cent- son. The center position's That's too undervalued. True. You'd get you would have to trade at least two though. Like mm-hmm. you'd have to meet that. Yeah. For sure. Uh so this is kind of like the Portland trade, as it indirectly worked out for the Rockets. It's not that Caldwell Jones was particularly good or that the Rockets got a great player with the pick they got from Philly. It's that the Rockets were very bad after trading Malone. Oh, this is coming up to Hakeem, isn't uh-huh. it? <laughs> so they went 14-68 and 68 the next season, and they ended up with the first overall pick, which they used on Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. For Virginia. Mm-hmm. They got, uh, the pick they got from Philly really belonged to the Cavaliers, so they also had the third overall pick in yes. the draft, which they used on guard Rodney McRae. Now, McRae was a solid role player, but didn't have nearly the career that Moses Malone did. But the Rockets were still bad in 1983-1984, so they ended up with the first overall pick again the next year, which they used on Akeem the Dream Elijah <sighs> So names all around. Yeah, so, so don't feel too bad for the Rockets. They gave up one Hall of Famer and then drafted two in the next two and, years. And they got, and ultimately got a better center. <laughs> yes. Historically, because mm-hmm. Hakeem is the best. Insane. Yes. yes. <laughs> he is the dream. Absolutely. Um, so Malone landed in Philadelphia and they took off. Paired with Julius Irving and Maurice Cheeks, they ran all the way to the NBA championship. Uh, Moses Malone won his third MVP that year which makes him the only player in NBA history to win back-to-back MVPs for different teams. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an incredible stat. They traded the MVP, and he won it again. He's like, you know what? I'm still the MVP. (laughs) Again. The only other person who has done this in major American sports is Barry Bonds. Woo! That seems a little asterisk, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. But you have to throw the footnote in there. Uh, Malone continued to produce great numbers for the 76ers over the next three years while making multiple all-star teams. Uh, The 76ers could never recreate the postseason success that they had in 1983, so they decided to move on from Malone. They sent him to the Washington Bullets with Terry Catledge and two first-round picks for all-star Jeff Ruland and Cliff Robinson. What? These picks are absolutely getting worse <laughs> right? and worse. They traded someone who was MVP three years ago two and firsts. two firsts. And another player uh, for good old Jeff and Cliff. Yes. Well, not surprisingly, Robinson's play diminished in Philly, 
and Ruland was decimated by injury. <laughs> His career was never the same. Oh, God. So, oh, hit by a train. And Ma- Malone, in the meantime, just kept on ticking. He was injured for most of the season beforehand with, like, a broken orbital face bone oh, or whatever. Did get punched or something? Probably. It was the early 80s. Yeah, that makes sense. Elbow. Uh, <laughs> elbow, right to the eye. Oh, yeah, probably a bow. That's a classic bow injury. It's a classic center injury right there. Uh, so he got healthy and returned to form, putting up 24.1 points per game and 11.3 rebounds his first year with the Bullets. Mm. He was voted to his 10th consecutive All-Star game in his first season. Uh, and so add another team to the tally of board the, to the tally board of teams that gave up on Moses Malone too early. Yes. <laughs> We're at like eight. Yeah. Several of them don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. So Malone had a very long career and would play all the way up to 1994-1995 season for a variety of different teams. He did a stint with the Hawks. I think he ended his career with the Spurs. He just mm-hmm. kind of bounced around. He's like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. The One of the best journeymen. Yes. <laughs> He was actually the last remaining player from the ABA when he retired in 1995. He made it all the way to 95? Yes. Whoa. Yes. Good Lord. A little fun fact. You start playing ball at 19. Then you play for 20 plus years. Early 70s. So, like, he's still making it to his, like, almost 25 years. Yeah. He played. Center through the 70s, 80s. Yeah, no, center. That's like my <laughs> yeah. catcher for like 30 years. <laughs> it's rough. Who needs knees? <laughs> so, fun fact, during his final NBA game, Moses Malone hit a buzzer beater three-pointer from the opponent's free throw line for the Spurs. Woo! So, a, a 74-foot buzzer beater. What a to, to What a way to career. go on. What a titan. <laughs> it's just so, so awesome. Uh, so I know we got distracted, and you're all waiting to hear the real story. What happened to the Buffalo Braves? What did happen to the Buffalo Where Braves? Where did they go? Oh, Did just... they have to change their name and then never thought of a new one? So they're like, you know what? We're just going to move. We're just going to Because I have my theories. That's what will happen to the Washington football team and the Cleveland TVDs. <laughs> Actually, the football team, it looks like uh, Snyder will be selling the team soon. Oh, nice. That's good for everyone. Yeah. Back to basketball. Speaking of Snyder... The Braves were owned by Paul Snyder. It all connects. I have no idea if they're related. It all connects. And it was apparently very difficult to schedule games in the stadium in Buffalo. So, like, the the college there had dibs on, like, Saturday nights. And then the Sabres Sabres had dibs on Sunday nights. So they could just never find a time to play. So they played in, like, Syracuse, in Toronto, in Rochester, just all over the place. Amazing. Rochester? So Snyder threatened to move the team to Hollywood, Florida. And everyone was just like, no. No. No, you can't do that. Um, If he said Hollywood... California. California. He could have gotten away with it. Even then. Where are you going to be? (laughs) Just take Utah's old name, be the Hollywood Stars? Yes! The Stars are back. Um, So he didn't follow through with that and instead sold the team to John Y. Brown. Now, Johnny Brown. Johnny Brown. Now, John Brown immediately sold their best player, Bob McAdoo, to the Knicks Mm. in 1976. Perfect. Where he went on to, you know, win his two chips or whatever. With Walt Frazier. Sorry, Buffalo. Uh, The Braves' last season in Buffalo was in 1977 when the very rare franchise swap 
took place. <laughs> Wait. Yes. I'm just, let's hear it. So Irving Levin owned the Boston Celtics, and he wanted to own a team in his home state of California. So knowing that the league would never allow him to move the storied, a storied franchise like the Celtics, he traded the Celtics to John Y. Brown in exchange for the Buffalo Braves. Oh my goodness. Levin then moved the Braves to San Diego and renamed them the Clippers. Gross. <laughs> you sold the Celtics? He did not sell them. He traded he them. He traded the Celtics. He gave the Celtics for away the for Clippers. the Clippers. Oh. And this is before they like, the few... advent of, you know, technologies. <laughs> so it's not even like it's great. And then there. a few years later, the Celtics would draft Larry Bird. And Magic Johnson would oh enter the league, and God. revenues and payrolls would like jump through the roof, and the the value of franchise was would skyrocket. So Snyder <laughs> missed out if he had held out, yeah, right, like a year. <laughs> he would have been the owner of the Celtics and been rolling in the Larry Bird dough. Yes, woof. Instead, he sold his team to John Brown, and then John Brown sold it to somebody else, and here we are today. Yeah, no, John Brown owns the Celtics. No, I'm sure he sold it at some point. I'm pretty sure he's probably <laughs> dead. <laughs> this is this the is the 70s. 70s. Yeah, no, he's, no he's, one's he alive owner, from the seventies. At that point, he's already an old white man. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. Um, so the Clippers would then move to Los Angeles in 1984, mm. and here we are, the Los Angeles Clippers. So some final stats for Moses Malone. He has one NBA championship and one finals MVP, three regular season MVPs, 12 consecutive NBA All-Star appearances, four-time NBA first team, four-time NBA second team, six-time NBA rebounding leader, including five consecutive years, and of course, the Hall of Fame. Wow. What a career. Buffalo. Buffalo, no! R.I.P. to the Utah Stars, (laughs) the Spirits of St. Louis. The Buffalo Braves. The Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> who won their last championship in 1976. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and just say Washington Bullets. He yeah. was there. Yeah. He was he there. He had a pit stop there. They missed out on a 74-foot three-pointer. <laughs> that could have been yours. Now that we've presented one of the worst moves in NBA history, we're feeling pretty comfortable and confident in presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help in their professional decisions. Westover, take us away. Okay. This week, I'm addressing Sean Marks, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets. So, you got one more roster spot open for another body uh, due to all of the trades and signing people post <laughs> waivers and things. Due to turning over your entire roster in the course yeah. of the season. Really so, putting Steve Nash in a, between a rock and a hard place yeah, in terms of appeasing players. Nets are doing some 2K nonsense out there, and yeah. I'm all, all for it. They don't really need anyone right now because he's built his super team of super old players. The <laughs> super team of the super old. Can I join? The like, elderly I'll keep, super I'll keep team. that bench warm. Those water's cold. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got to win now or next year at the latest, or you're going to have no players with $150 million tied up to just three players. Yeah, needs and them. only two other players on the veteran minimum left on your roster. It's <laughs> fine. It's sustainable. <laughs> now, you've managed... Now, if you'd managed to get any of your big three to take a generous pay cut when they signed, <laughs> then you could build a team around them. Maybe you'd be okay. What are they, Tom Brady? 
Tampa Bay. <laughs> but you've got a team full of personalities, and yeah, it's working. You're tied for first in the East. Working. Yeah. What's that first word you said, though? Tied for. Tied. In the East. And I know KD hasn't been playing. Yeah, Durant's been out for weeks. Team chemistry can't be consistent or growing stronger. But you're tied. Or good. <laughs> Steve Nash is just sitting on the standing on the sideline with his clipboard, blank of any design plays. It just says ball, first quarter, Harden. Second quarter, Irving. Third quarter, Durant, but it's crossed out. Fourth quarter is a question mark. Who's Joe taking that? Harris. Who's, Jeff Green. who's taking that last shot? Fourth quarter just says Steve Nash on it. Steve comes off. Yeah. Why don't they the player coach? Yeah, yeah, coach. the last one to buy him out to be a player coach. Terrible. Rip, away, rip away pants and shirt. It'd be amazing. Is Steve Nash the title he deserves? He'd get him that chip. Uh, so uh, my suggestion, <laughs> honestly, is pray you win this year, as injuries may have made every team take wild shots and weird signings, because money's going to be an issue soon for y'all. You've got no picks, and your youth is gone. So let's see how this goes. All right. My dear GM this week goes out to Oklahoma City Thunder GM Scott Presti and his hey. 3,000 draft picks. It's 2,999. Yeah, that's, count. that's basically my, my, whole, my whole dear GM. It's just, Scott, you did it. <laughs> you, you actually <laughs> did it. Yes, oh my God, <laughs> he's done it. Your rebuild is looking absolutely insane. <laughs> and I am so proud of you. This is what your future looks like. In the 2021 draft, you have your own first, a protected first from the Heat, a first-rounder from the Warriors, a first-round pick swap with the Rockets, top four protected, your own second, and a first from the Nuggets via the Warriors. In the 2022 draft, you have maybe your own first, a Clippers first-round unprotected, the Suns first-round pick, and maybe your own second-round pick. 2023 brings you the best first rounder between the Thunder and the Clippers, the Heat first round pick lottery protected, the uh, Nuggets first round pick lottery protected, your second, the Wizards second, and the better of the Maverick or Heat second rounder. 2024, you've got your first round pick, the Clippers first round unprotected, Rockets top four protected, Grizzlies second, your second, Hornets second. Pause. Yes. Breath. <gasps> <sighs> Already, this is insane. It's a lot of draft picks. And intermission. We've got three years left. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. 2025 draft, you have the best first between the Rockets, Clippers, and Thunder. What? You have the 76ers first and second. You have your second and the Hawks second. 2026 draft, you have your first, Clippers first, Rockets first, your second, Mavericks second, and the 76ers second. And the 2027 draft, you have your first, your second, the Heat second, the Pacers second, and the Rockets second. Oof. The league should take notes. This is how you rebuild. Now all that's left is to not mess up in the draft. Best of luck to you, Scott. You can't miss. I mean, the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder are notoriously great at drafting. I know. And I he, mean, yeah. And he has a shotgun's worth of draft picks. Yeah. Like, he could, <laughs> he could take some <laughs> you know, runners. He just throw a lot of picks on a wall, see well, what sticks here. Is what, ideally, you keep Shea Gilgis, mm -hmm. and then you spend those picks. Hopefully, one of them lands on a complete Hall of Famer. Yes. Yeah. And then you spend the rest to get an already established talent. Yes. Yeah. Is like, Veteran ideally. leadership. Yeah. The sky is the limit for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I am... So excited. To I'm here that. to come revisit this after they've botched it. Yeah, right. To just be like, 
Let's read what this have list you again. You were right there. And you missed all of it? You had 17 first and 17 seconds. I mean, I'm not rooting for that, but uh, it'd be I great am. television. It'd be good material. <laughs> it'd be like the Houston Texans. <laughs> this week, I'm addressing Minnesota Timberwolves GM Scott Layden. Scott, you guys suck. You goofed. Like, you really suck. Your team has had some real talents in the past few years, but you never seem to be able to put it together. Oof. That points to one of two problems. Either your coach can't coach, or your team can't develop talent. My, my players can't play. <laughs> they just, I can't coach them. Maybe they can't play. I don't know. I tell them to do the thing, and they don't do the thing. Honestly, it might be both. Aww. So you have a couple of options here. You can get a bona fide head coach. Or you can open up the cap space on your team to build a winning roster of already developed talents. Honestly, take the Timberwolves out of Minnesota. Blow up your franchise. (laughs) Hot take, remove them. Go back to, go to Buffalo. Not back. No, Seattle needs a team, Westover. The only time you were ever relevant was Garnett and Sproul. And that was it. Yeah, just ugh, I have you're, so many thoughts. You're a you. long, a long ways removed from that. <laughs> it's like your small market for basketball, especially. You got a cool mascot, the Timberwolves. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah I like your good, color scheme and everything. But you're just so bad. I don't. I'm not a fan of the green, the like yeah. lime green uh, that yeah. they do. No, I don't like their modern colors. Yeah, yeah they're they're keep messing with. Take it back to the yes. KG. The KG yes. colors are the dope. forest greens yeah. with those blues. It's like oh, that's where it's at. Make it fierce. But either get a coach or open up the cap space to build a roster of people that are already developed talents. Uh, which might be hard because you're a terrible market and a terrible team. <laughs> and nobody wants to play for you. While I think you should do both, let's just focus on you, you know, getting free agents. <laughs> let's look on the bright side. <laughs> Anthony Edwards has emerged as a star in the making during his rookie season. And Carl Anthony Towns is a strong foundation. But I honestly compare him more to AD in New Orleans than anything mm, else. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a pretty fair comparison there. You need to get more star power, and to do that, you get need LeBron more cap James. Space. <laughs> oh my god, you need more cap space. So my advice to you, short of moving yourself to a better market, is to move off of D'Angelo Russell. No, oh, and if you yeah. get something in return for him, and if you can get something in return for him, Ricky Rubio. D'Lo has been continually injured performed below expectations when healthy, and Anthony Edwards plays at his position. Additionally, he is set to take up over $30 million in cap space a year over... uh, $30 million in cap space a year over the next two years. Who gave him that contract? That was the Nets, right? Uh, I think it was the Warriors. Warriors did, and then the (laughs) T-Wolves eagerly took it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) For Andrew Wiggins' terrible contract. Yeah, once again, Andrew Wiggins, great talent that you could not develop, (laughs) and now he's just He was called, like, the next LeBron for a hot second when he was coming here. Here's the thing about those raw talents. You need to develop them. You've got to have the mentality for it. Even though the NBA is a star-driven league, and coaching is, like, minimally important as it is compared to like say football Mm -hmm. you still have to have develop those professional abilities in the raw talent yes which Mm -hmm. i think minnesota is absolutely garbage yeah michael michael jordan's work ethic isn't walking through the door no i mean even look at carl anthony towns what in his game has really developed all that much in the several years he's been in the league not a whole lot but he's made a lot of money. He's made a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of Sam Bradford package. 
exchanging D'Lo for picks and a player on an expiring contract could time out perfectly for you guys to make a big splash in free agency in 2022. There are some big names coming off, uh, coming into free agency, and that a lot of them have player options. Uh, yeah. The one I'm looking at, namely, but it would be kind of at a position you're already working as Bradley Beal, but mm-hmm. you know. But if you could get like go to Minnesota, exactly. That's a problem. Again, <laughs> let's assume though Minnesota isn't a terrible market. <laughs> yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. If you could get Bradley Beal, and I think Russell Westbrook also comes off there. If you could get Russell Westbrook as like the team leader, just take the Wizards over there and be like, hey, we'll take give you the cat. Wizards and push them over here. <laughs> you know, although I don't like Russell Westbrook. Not like, like his game. <laughs> I hate I Russell don't Westbrook. Like him. I like his game. I just don't think he will ever win. No. 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 I think that's he's, okay. I don't think he's a selfish player. I just, I, it's, it's one of those just, weird things. It's not compatible. Yeah. It's just not compatible. <laughs> Anyways, Scott, just be patient and don't blow all the cap space on tier two players. Yes. Just because you met with you might whiff on a few stars, and it might take you years. But you'll land among the But don't do rabble. the whole Ernie Grunfeld and spend all of your free space on a bunch of mediocre. But I have the money for it. I don't give a damn. I like that we talked to uh, Sean and two Scots today. Like, well, come on, need, guys. Those types of names need to <laughs> be talking to. And that's the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. All that good stuff. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you may listen to podcasts. In the words of former college basketball coach Abe Lemons, quote, there are really only two plays, Romeo and Juliet, and put the darn ball in the basket, (laughs) unquote. Come on, guys. (laughs) What? There are two plays, Westover, Romeo and Juliet. And put the ball in the basket. And Shakespeare wrote both of them. <laughs> yes, he did. He put that English on it. That man oh, could ball. <laughs> <laughs> what they don't tell you is William Shakespeare was six foot eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Always doing the finger roll. <laughs> Pat Ewan should have taken notes. Uh, Thanks for listening. And remember, this was mismanaged. Uh,